From WAMU 88.5 at American University in Washington, welcome to the Kojo Namdi Show, connecting your neighborhood with the world. It's Tech Tuesday. There's something timeless about stories where toys have a mind of their own, the ability to love and the opportunity to talk, from the classic Pinocchio and the Indian in the cupboard to the modern Toy Story and Lego movie. Kids and adults have long fantasized about toys coming to life. Now, after a slump in sales, toy manufacturing company Mattel is trying to get as close to that fantasy as possible. With a new Barbie that can carry on a conversation using the same kind of artificial intelligence that powers Apple's Siri and Microsoft's Cortana. For adults used to the capabilities of a smartphone, smart car, and smart home security, this new Barbie may not impress, but what could it mean for a child who has yet to grow a vocabulary or learn to socialize? Here to discuss the possibilities of the new Barbie and other smart toys is Sandra Calvert, director of the Children's Digital Media Center at Georgetown University, where she's a professor of psychology. Sandra Calvert joins us in studio. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Also joining us in studio is Andrea Peterson. She's a technology policy reporter at the Washington Post. Andrea, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Gojo. If you have questions or comments on this Tech Tuesday conversation, give us a holler, 800-433-8850. Send email to kojo at wamu.org. Shoot us a tweet at Kojo Show using the hashtag Tech Tuesday, or you can go to our website kojoshow.org, ask a question, or make a comment there. Andrea, forget accessories like a purse or hairbrush. Mattel's talking doll, Hello Barbie, is outfitted with a mini USB charging port and microphone. What can you tell us about how Hello Barbie is built and how she works? So Hello Barbie works by basically, as you mentioned, having a microphone and being connected to Wi-Fi. So when a parent picks this up for their child, which they'll be able to do starting next month for, I believe, $75, uh, they'll have to first uh, sign it up with an app connected to their smartphone and go through some consent uh, to you know, be okay with some of the privacy concerns that I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit later here. Uh, But when a kid speaks to the Barbie, it's going to listen to it uh, when it's when that child's holding a little button on it. So it's not always listening. It's only listening when that particular feature is triggered. And then it will listen. It will send off that audio to a server somewhere else on the internet where it will be transcribed and processed. And then really almost instantaneously, the Barbie's going to speak back. It's going to hold on this conversation with a kid. Well, where is all this stuff fitting on the physical proportions of Barbie? Where is all this stuff hitting? Uh, So they actually had to thicken the legs of the Barbie a little bit to put in uh, space for all this technology. As I, if I recall correctly, I believe the microphone's in the chin. (laughs) And the thighs have been thickened a little bit. Barbie can maintain a conversation and participate in games. Can you give us an example of what kind of games or conversations she'll be outfitted for? So she's going to have, oh, like a, as I understand it, around 8,000 different responses. There'll be like cooking games that it can play where they talk about ingredients, but there's really a pretty broad amount of conversation. 
conversational topics that this Barbie's going to be able to converse with children about. Sandra, seemingly everything has a digital side or is connected to the Internet these days. Before kids knew how to play like this, how did they use toys to develop skills, social or otherwise? In similar ways that they're doing with interactive toys. It's, it's interesting. They talk to them. Uh, they pretended to have the voice of the character talk back. So they were creating the voices. And over time, some of that has evolved so that instead of having a puppet that you speak to or a doll that you speak to and create their voice, the characters now respond. So they're becoming more interactive. And they've been trying to do this for decades, Kojo. So it's really nothing new. They're just getting better at it. You are the lead author on a study that looked at two groups of children, one playing with plush toys that had been pre-programmed to say the child's name. The other played with toys that they, that called each child pal and liked different things. Tell us a little bit more about that study and what you found. We were working with toddlers in that particular study, Kojo, and basically we started them at 18 months, and we either gave them a personalized toy or a non-personalized toy, as you mentioned, so it could know your name and have the same favorite food and the same favorite song or not. And we found that the children who had those same favorites played with the child, with the character in a nurturing way. So they built a relationship with it that was based on things like feeding it and and, based, and putting it to bed, things that like had human-like qualities. But if you had the non-personalized character, you were less likely to do that. Then we looked at could they learn from the characters, and they learn a whole lot better when it's personalized. They learned a lot better with the yeah. characters who they had a more personal relationship than the characters who simply referred to them as pal and didn't that's necessarily right. like the things that they liked? Right, and that's at 21 months. So there's a sensitivity to having somebody be like you from the beginnings of life. Andrea, talking toys of the past were not Wi-Fi enabled or capable of storing the information you shared with them. What brought us here? You know, this is really, as you mentioned in the intro, an extension of a lot of technologies that we're seeing everywhere else. Uh, there's this so-called Internet of Things where everything from your refrigerator to, you know, your Barbie is going to be connected to the Internet. It's going to be dispersing information about you and, and not necessarily to places that you would expect. Uh, you know, Mattel and Toy Talk, which is the company that uh, Mattel has been partnering with to do this speech recognition and in conversational uh, tech for this particular or toy, you know, makes a point in their privacy policy to note that, you know, this information, and we're only going to use it to try and make this product better, but in the process of that, we might end up having to send it to other third parties who are going to help us out with that process. So it's really hard to track where all your data is going to go. Well, tell us a little bit more about the Internet of Things for people who don't quite understand it. It involves, of course, coffee pots that will be talking to alarm clocks. Yeah, you know, we, you know, just as uh, the Internet is a web of different sites, we are seeing that items that otherwise were unconnected to the internet are now making those connections and they are are learning about your habits they are uh, in an effort to make your life more convenient adapting themselves to you so we're seeing in a wide variety of products that are talking to each other collecting information about you and really creating a real life web that surrounds your life uh, 
Thermostats that talk to motion sensors. Yeah, you know, it's it's everywhere, like in modern day houses. I don't know if you have a nest, but it knows an awful lot about your patterns. 800-433-8850. How do you feel about the Internet of Things spreading to toys? Is that kind of connectivity, in your view, better suited to adults? What were your favorite talking toys growing up? Share with us your favorite or maybe your funniest memories. 800-433-8850. You can send email to kojo at wamu.org or shoot us a tweet at kojo show. Let's go to the phones and talk with George in Luz, Delaware. George, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello. Greetings from coastal Delaware. Hey, uh, the New York Times had a front page magazine uh, article on this new Barbie doll and uh, it said there were going to be 8,000 different responses, but that's not why I called. I never knew Barbie had a middle and a last name. <laughs> <laughs> it, it goes to what your guest would just said about personalizing. So you ready for Barbie's full name? Yep. Barbara Millicent Roberts. Barbara Millicent Roberts. Who knew? Did you, yeah, Andrea? Who, I mean, I had no I mean, does G.I. <laughs> Joe have a full name? But, Sandra, this gets to the personalizing effect that we were talking about. It's the backstory. If you look at characters, characters are now transmedia. Barbie is, like, now not just a doll. I mean, mm-hmm. she's everywhere, as are all these toys. And so having a backstory gives you an identity and one that children can relate to. They want to have a character that children have, uh, you know, Barbie's supposed to be fun and empathic and appeal to children and be another person in their life. Well, thank you very much for your call. I happen to have a cousin by the name of Barbara Yvette Roberts. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Barbara Yvette, your middle name doesn't actually make it there. But thank you very much for your call, George. Mattel's sales seem to be down. Is Hello Barbie a savvy business move to keep up with the smartphone and tablet apps that are entertaining entertaining more kids now? You know, I think that's really what many people believe the strategy is about. Uh, As you mentioned, Barbie sales have been on the decline. Mattel in general has not had the uh, best few years. Uh, And they're, I think, really trying to find a way to adapt to an era where children already have these massive digital footprints uh, from when their parents are already, you know, posting information about them to Facebook to when the kids themselves are, you know, snagging their parents' iPad and playing games on, on there to pass the time during car trips. Savvy business move, Sandra? Definitely a savvy business move. You know, children want to play with electronic toys. It's part of their world. They grow up using iPads and other sorts of things from the very beginnings of life. Uh, They're easy to use, and they're the kinds of things that I think we're going to see more and more of as time passes. In case you're just joining us, it's a Tech Tuesday conversation on essentially artificial intelligence and children's toys. We're talking with Andrea Peterson. She's a technology policy reporter with The Washington Post. Sandra Calvert is the director of the Children's Digital Media Center at Georgetown University, where she's also a professor of psychology. Sandra, in a world where big box stores like Target are leaning away from gendered toys, where does Mattel's new talking Barbie fit in? I think that's a great question, and it's one I've pondered over time. If you look at some of the traditional interests of girls, Barbie falls in that. I mean, girls are really interested in relationships. Uh, They're interested in uh, attractive people. You know, I mean, these are gender stereotypes, but they're a reality. So if you want to really broaden the world, 
so the children have options to be whoever they want to be. I don't find anything wrong with traditionally feminine interest. And I think that trying to just say girls should no longer have those is, is a real disservice to people who grew up in another era. Now, I do have problems if Barbie is going to tell us math is hard or go look for <laughs> other people to help her be a computer scientist, thinking her male colleagues know more. Uh, but at the same time, there are some things about femininity that, that I am very supportive of. On the other hand, critics worry that Hello Barbie could deprive children of the chance to develop their own imaginations, that from um, New York Times Live, when playing with an inanimate doll, they note kids are happy to invent both sides of the conversation. They fear also that speech capacities will only heighten Barbie's influence on little girls. I think that's a, an interesting question. And if you look at traditional media like television, it does depress imagination. But if you look at Barbie, there, there's a trade-off. You have a conversational partner who will speak to you, but you also have one that can be more mature with those program responses so they can scaffold, actually level up, so that they're asking you to think in a more mature way and present problems to you that, that a child may not be thinking of, but just at the verge of being able to master. So it's in the hands of the programmers to be able to figure out exactly what the child is capable of, and that means that how, how good those programmers are really impacts how well those characters can help children develop. Here's Andy in Great Falls, Virginia, who has a question precisely about that. Andy, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I was, yeah, I was wondering what would happen to a child's imagination uh, if, if if the child is not playing all the roles that are at the tea party instead of just the one role that they're locked in now because someone else is taking for them and has to be in their imagine or has to be creating their imagination for them. Sandra. Well, there's a self and other in imagination, and the, the research to date has really shown that if you have television, which is presenting information, children are less novel. They come up with less novel ideas, and I see that as a real problem with technology. But there are the newer technologies that are more interactive, and that their children can make things, and that becomes a little different. In a conversation, it does constrain it, but most social interactions do have some constraints based on who your partner is. Uh, so I think it's an empirical question. I think it's a wonderful question of exactly what will be the downside if that other area is defined for you rather than you creating it yourself. 800-433-8850. What do talking toys offer a growing child? What, if anything, in your view, do they take away? 800-433-8850. You can send email to kojo at wamu.org. We got a tweet from... Nicole, um, who says, the thing she thought of when she heard of Hello Barbie was adults buying it say unkid-like things to it. Uh, <laughs> 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 Have you heard about that at all, Sandra? Or you, Andrea? Well, you know, you can't really control what someone does with something that they <laughs> buy, right? Yes, well, well, they put them on extinction from what I understand so that, that basically there's no reply at all. So that if you are talking to the character and saying things that are inappropriate, you just don't respond. And if you get no response, then eventually it dies out. The second part of Nicole's tweet is one that I know a lot of people are concerned about. Is it hackable? Andrea, there's a concern that like all smart devices, Hello Barbie will be vulnerable to security breaches. What are privacy advocates and some parents concerned about? 
you know, privacy advocates have expressed some real alarm about uh, Hello Barbie. Uh, you know, they've called it creepy. They've called it eavesdropping Barbie, uh, which, you know, <laughs> is a little bit of a stretch because you do have to press that button. But, you know, it's always possible that perhaps someone can hack it in such a way that you don't need to press the button to access that listening uh, capabilities. And actually, I'd like to read you something from uh, Toy Talk's Hello Barbie privacy policy. Uh, you know, in response to the question, what steps do uh, does the company take to protect your information online? With you know, we take reasonable measures to protect personal information in an effort to prevent loss, misuse, and unauthorized access, disclosure, alteration, and destruction. Please be aware, however, that despite our efforts, no security measures are perfect or impenetrable, and no method of data transmission. In the- uh, can be guaranteed against any interception or other type of misuse. So even the Toy Talk itself, I think, is recognizing that there are potential for abuse and problems here. How many of us are likely to read that? How how big is that print? <laughs> You're not likely to read the privacy policy. Uh, you know, when you... Uh, Parents, when they uh, set up the doll for their child, are supposed to go through and read a little little privacy statement in the app and press consent. But I think many of us have grown very accustomed to skimming through or just not looking at all when we are faced with privacy policies or various terms of service. How uh, may I add just ahead, to that? Um, my understanding, too, is that the parents can, can have access to what their children say. So if, you know, that's a privacy issue. So say that a little girl is upset with her mom or dad and talks to Barbie about her problem, mm-hmm. and then the parent reads it, you know, the, is that a violation of the child's privacy to be able to have a confidant to talk to, knowing that it won't go beyond that conversation? Well, let's take that up a notch via this tweet from Anton. I'd like to know if parents will be able to ever know what their kids are saying to the doll. Apparently they will. But Anton says, I'd also like to know if and when Mattel will sell their database to these kids' future psychologists. (laughs) 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 You know, as as Andra noted, uh, parents will have access to the audio that is recorded via this device. Uh, The companies have said that they'll be like a weekly email that will that they'll send to them and that if you log in through your account with the site that runs it that you'll be able to listen to the audio recordings uh, they have said that they don't plan on selling it for advertising purposes, which makes sense. Uh, that would actually be a pretty significant potential violation of uh, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, also known as COPA. Uh, but I think there are also, oh, you know, other issues here. Like even if one parent consents to this doll recording what their child says, what happens if you have a playmate come over? What happens if you have a kid who you send it over to one of their friend's houses and their friend has the Barbie? Then you haven't consented for your child to necessarily play with that toy, but they could be recorded anyways. Sandra, what do you say to that? I think that's a wonderful question. And one that, again, gets back to the heart of trying to constrain technology. I mean, life finds a way if you look <laughs> at some movies and and uh, technology finds a way to get into the hands of children. So I, my sense is that parents would have to be vigilant and pay quite a bit of attention to where Barbie is going and what she's doing. And maybe to Barbie herself. We got um, parents usually have the ability to vet their kids' friends. Hello, Barbie is supposed to be like a friend. But do parents have a way to review Barbie before she meets their kid? 
Do you know? You know, I think that is a great question. And I, you know, I think from a lot of the news reports, we've seen that uh, Mattel has gone to, I think, great lengths to avoid any conversations about how math might be too hard. But there are 8,000 and some responses. You're, a parent's not going to have an ability to go through and really he, see exactly how Barbie's going to react in all contexts. It's just not going to be functionally possible from a time perspective, if nothing else. RV also remembers, which I think is an interesting kind of technology, that she remembers important things. Those are flagged. So that if you say, gee, my grandmother passed away, Barbie, you know, is going to remember that about you. And so, if you bring it up at a later date, that's already in Barbie's database. Already so Barbie already database. knows about it. She already knows. So <laughs> it creates this more shared intimacy, but it also is, is the kind of thing that is being stored and focused on as something that's really important about who you are. Got to take a short break. If you have called, stay on the line. We really would like to speak with you. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can call at 800-433-8850. Would you trust a toy that memorizes information about you or your child? 800-433-8850. You can send email to kojo at wamu.org or shoot us a tweet at Kojo Show using the hashtag TechTuesday. You can go to our website, kojoshow.org. Join the conversation there. I'm Kojo Namdi. DCS Daily. DCS Daily. DCS Daily. It's news, culture, and curiosities. From the district, Tacoma Park, Alexandria, Friendship Heights, Hyattsville, Falls Church, Northeast Washington, D.C., in your inbox every weekday afternoon. DCS, DCS Daily. Daily. Sign up at dcs.com slash newsletter. dcs.com slash newsletter. Welcome back to our Tech Tuesday conversation on artificial intelligence and children's toys. We're talking with Sandra Calvert, director of the Children's Digital Media Center at Georgetown University, where she's also a professor of psychology. She joins us in studio along with Andrea Peterson, technology policy reporter with The Washington Post. You can join the conversation by calling 800-433-8850. And so let's go directly to Carl in Reston, Virginia. Carl, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, thank you for having me. I feel this issue with the Barbie is actually reflecting more how technology and these toys are replacing parents. We talk about interaction with the children. That should be what the parent does. You talk, the, mem- the guest mentioned scaffolding about children and learning and maturing. That should be what the parent does. However, we're letting the technology slowly creep in, and I just feel that doesn't get talked about enough. I'll ask Sandra Calvert to address that issue because it seems to me that that's an issue we have been discussing since the invention of the radio. I think you're right, Kojo. Uh, But, Carl, I think you have an excellent point about the role of parents in terms of their children's development. And parents should be there to scaffold things, to level them up, to help them understand things better, uh, to interact with them. Parents are not there 24-7, though, and children have always had toys. You know, the switch on this is that they're more interactive, and, and I think that, that they're, they have a place in children's lives, but they should never be replacing the parent. And my own belief is that parents should be playing with their child with these newer technologies so that they can get an understanding of what the child is saying to the toy, how the cho- toy interacts with them, you know, Basically, that it's it's a shared experience 
between parent and child with these toys rather than a replacement of parent-child interaction. Carl, thank you very much for your call. A lot of people have this concern, so allow me to bring them into the conversation right now. Here now is Debbie in Frederick, Maryland. Debbie, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yeah, Kojo, I was just listening to the parent and what she just said, and I, I don't. I feel that these toys are not a good thing. This is this is ridiculous. Children need to be able to learn social skills. What is the problem with having children do what they've always done with a doll or make a stick that makes a doll and interact with them and play house? I mean, these are all skills that need to be learned, not by electronics, not by somebody telling you falsehood. And there is no safeguard. All these safeguards on computers, even when my child was younger, that said that you could safeguard that nobody would get through something that was offensive for a younger child to use for homework. It's not true. You, there is no safeguard. And this is going down a slippery slope that keeps happening. These children are not learning the skills that they need to live in everyday life. Technology is great, but not start getting dolls that are going to talk back to you or give a parent a red flag when something's happening and they're talking. And what about, I mean, well, it's you use isolating. The, you, These are a lot of issues that are good developing skills, and we're not allowing them to have them. And, yes, children are alone, but they have them when parents are doing things, chores in the house. So they're outside creating stories, creating cowboys and Indians. Why are we keep taking these things away from these skills that are developed and need to happen? We don't need computers developing that, a computer doll talking to them. Andrea, she, Debbie used the analogy of the slippery slope. I would use the analogy of the horse in the barn. It would appear that that horse has left the barn. Now that kids have been interacting both with mobile devices and with devices to which they can speak and to, who, to which they can listen, is it now more difficult to do what Debbie thinks should be done with children because they know these devices and they're simply not going to leave them alone? You know, you, uh, as Andrew was mentioning earlier, parents can't be around all the time, but technology often really is. Uh, you know, I also sort of would make the point that kids have been playing around with technology for an awful long time. Uh, I went outside and played in, like, the creek by my grandparents' house a lot, but I also spent... Uh, pretty significant amount of time with a Super Nintendo growing up, and I think I turned out mostly okay. Sandra? Uh, I think that you may, you raise a good point. Debbie, I also want to just say I'm very sympathetic to your concerns. That I know many parents who feel like technology has usurped their role and usurp the role of parents, and that their children should be doing different things. And, and that's why, ultimately, it's in, the, it's in the hands of parents to decide what it is that your child is using, unless, of course, they sneak off and play at another child's <laughs> house. Uh, but, but one thing I would say is when, when we had those interactive characters and we were seeing children develop these close relationships with them by talking to them and putting them to bed and feeding them. We saw the same thing when they played with puppets that had no electronic gadgetry. So it's, it's like children have this, this set of behaviors that they do that involve closeness that they do with different kinds of toys, whether they're electronic or not. Uh, but, but I do hear that, that this world is one that you're not comfortable with.
Kids sneaking off and playing at other children's houses. When I was growing up, there was only one home in the neighborhood which, at which the parents had boxing gloves. We were not supposed to go to that home, but all the boys in the neighborhood gravitated toward that home on a fairly regular basis. Sandra, parents might be averse to a doll with a memory, but kids might not be easily dissuaded. Does a young child know that a talking Barbie is, well, pretend? How well can a child distinguish between a conversation with a doll and a conversation with a human? They have difficulty when they're about preschool age, three, four, five. Um, they're still struggling with what's real and what's pretend. I'd say in our data they're about 50% get it that the characters are real and about half think that they're pretend. Uh, it, it's kind of confusing for them. And why wouldn't it be confusing? The characters talk to them. They have friends. They look like real people. You know, if, uh, you know, they jump in puddles, you know, they do all the things that kids do. And it's built on Piaget's idea of what's called animism, that you treat inanimate objects as if they are live. And we do the same thing. I talked to Siri today. I call her Sylvia. I have a female. You know, so Sylvia and I, like, go on our journeys together. She keeps me from getting too lost. And and so so you have, as an adult, I can make those discriminations, but all of us have this kind of, we personify computers. And, and there's really emerging, what, what I read about is, is this kind of in-between category where it's not real, and it, it, it's not real, and it's not really a machine, but it's somewhere in between because children give them human characteristics and treat them as real. Can intelligent toys like Hello Barbie stifle creativity in children who, especially at a younger age, are often admired for their sense of uninhibited wonder and imagination? They can. I mean, I, I think that there is definitely a possibility that if you constrain imagination, that it will stifle children's ability to explore outside the box. But I, I think it's an empirical question. It's one that we need to study. So it's possible that it could. But again, the other side is... I was about to say on the other side, how useful are intelligent toys in preparing children for experiences with real people? And they could. I mean, children who have social issues, who don't feel comfortable talking to other people, could practice with a doll. You could learn some of the social skills of making friends, and then that could be then transferred out. So the transfer issue is a big one. Could they then use those same skills with real people? On to Nora in Los Angeles, California. Nora, your turn. Great. Um, yeah, I guess I was thinking that most of the privacy issues we've been talking about is related to the children with the outside world or the Internet. Earlier you were saying that anyway, and I honestly think when I was a child... <laughs> Um, even if my parents walked in on me playing by myself, I was upset a little bit. Like, there's something, so there's the fact that the parents can get a recording of what the children's talking about with the Barbie. I think it might be a sort of unintended negative side effect that they might talk to them later about it. The child might not trust the Barbie anymore. There's just kind of a in, important, if, if it is to have the purpose of developmental um, advances, um, I don't know if the parents' involvement in that actually I understand them sort of sitting with them and working with them on it in the beginning, but the continued monitoring is something the, the sort of, I guess what you were referring to earlier, the critics were calling sort of creepy, uh, creepy aspect of it that I think could, for me, and I don't know about other children, would sort of impede my trust and impede my development. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to have a stop snitching Barbie movement, Andrea? Yes. Well, 
you know, I, I think that there's a, a real possibility, uh, as the caller raised, that the Barbie becomes sort of a family-level NSA surveiller. <laughs> uh, you know, children confide in their toys. Uh, that's part of the creative play process that they have with them. And I do think that there's something to be said about figuring out what the appropriate balance between parental control and, you know, having a, a big brother scenario go on that could impede that creativity. Sandra? Trust is a foundation for social relationships. And I think that that all of us have a different interaction when we've got an adult, you know, if you're a child, they, they react differently if an adult is with them and other children versus when they're alone without that adult presence because they're freer to say what they would like to say. So that monitoring of parents being able to hear it, I understand why they're doing that, just to make sure that parents are reassured about what's taking place in these interactions and that it's all okay. Uh, but again, you know, as our caller points out, <laughs> that can lead to uh, distrust of this relationship with the character and stifle some of the potential benefits of it, if there, if there are any. We don't know that yet. Here's Lois in Sterling, Virginia. Lois, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I I just wanted to bring up years ago there was a there was a teddy bear called Teddy Ruxpin, and you could put a cassette tape inside of his player, and it got to the point where some people were using you know the the uh, tapes that came with him. But there were also people that would play old Ozzy Osbourne and, you know, heavy metal and that sort of thing. I, I, I'm hoping that there's some, some sort of uh, oversight that keeps this Hello Barbie from being uh, abused, so to speak, to keep, basically keep the kids on track. I don't know. How, how is Hello Barbie attempting to control what kinds of access to certain kinds of, well, um, inappropriate information that kids might want to discuss? Well, you know, uh, there are, is only a set number of topics that, are gonna, that Barbie's going to respond to. Uh, there are like these 8,000 dialogue uh, options, but that doesn't and that really, I think, constrains the limitations in a way that the Teddy Ruxpin, where you had the cassette, where you could theoretically put in whatever you wanted to, unless there's a malicious actor who does, you know, hack into the system somehow and do something nefarious, you're not, I think, going to have the same kind of concerns with this particular toy. Final question, Sandra. Last week we saw a series of photos online where everyday moments in American life were depicted, but with all screen devices photoshopped out of the picture, what's left? Clusters of people staring at their empty hands as if they're looking into a void. <laughs> it seemed to highlight how present phones and other devices are in our lives, how natural it feels to look at them constantly. Could Hello Barbie and other AI toys act as a kind of gateway to that? Well, I don't think we need Barbie to make a gateway to looking at our cell phones all the time. I this think that true. that's already here. 
And I think that, you know, people look at those as they walk the streets. I was at a National Academies conference in uh, California this past week, and one of the things was on virtual reality. The, you know, you put on these goggles. They've now come down in price to $300, and you can literally, you know, fall on your face, you know, walking around <laughs> thinking you're in another world. So, so technologies offer affordances, but they also have challenges that will present. So we have to think about what kind of world we want. Do we want one where we're walking around looking at our mobile phones all the time, or do we want one where we are living within the moment? And and I think that's I think you're ready to take it over. Just quickly, Andrew, how popular do you think Hello Barbie will be? You know, I think that's a really hard thing to judge, uh, but given in how much kids like their tech these days, I imagine it'll, it'll give uh, Mattel some sort of boost going into the holiday season. I suspect it'll be huge, but what do I know? <laughs> Andrea Peterson knows stuff. She's a technology policy reporter at the Washington Post. Andrea, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Sandra Calvert is the director of the Children's Digital Media Center at Georgetown University, where she's also a professor of psychology. Sandra Calvert, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Kojo. And thank you all for listening. I'm Kojo Nandi. Thanks for listening to the Kojo Namdi Show. And if you're already a member of WAMU 88.5, thank you for your support. If not, it's easy to give online at WAMU.org. Just click the Donate button, and thanks.